Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Let's give our lead pastor a big hand. He's awesome. It's always a joy just to see his face these days, you know, and see him smiling and Um, I went over there yesterday, and um, I walked in the house to talk to him just about going over the sermon. He texted me. He's like, how are you ready for tomorrow? I was like, sure. So I just stopped at the house. He goes, oh, perfect. Titi's here. Next thing I know, I'm handed one of the four babies. I'm in the bathroom giving a bath to two of them, and while another newborn is right there, and I was there, I proceeded to be there for an hour. I'm feeding babies. My husband had been trying to call me, but I couldn't even reach my phone for this whole time. I finally was able to escape at one point. I walked outside, I'm like, how do they do this every day? But it was hilarious. I love it. It's the best season in the world. There's my little press press right there. Um, but uh, we're really blessed. Pastor Chris and Kelly, think about the miracle that their seven children are, and they really are a miracle to this house. And I think it's just the, it's the first fruits of miracles in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Well, I have a lot of pressure today because I was called Timely Tracy and that we're going to have a great word today. So no pressure for this one. Um, But, you know, I'm married now. So the messages probably are just better and easier. We don't know. We'll find out. You can be the judge. Okay. Um, But hey, open your Bibles to Psalm chapter eight. We're going to get to it. Hasn't it been a great morning already? Did you see all those baptisms this morning? That was awesome. I love water baptism Sunday, second Sunday of every month if you are interested in being water baptized here at Capel Church. Uh, Psalm chapter 8. You ready to read the word? It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. Some, some translations say you've perfected praise. Because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you even care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the generosity of God. If you want a title for this talk, um, it's called Look Up to the Stars. Look Up to the Stars. Would you pray with me? I believe God's going to do something significant in our hearts individually. Amen. I'm not here to get a word for my neighbor or my cousin's dog's best friend. I'm here to get a word. I'm, I'm here for God to speak to me. Amen. Lord, we thank you today that you are in this place. This is your church. This is your service. Lord, this is your word. And we thank you today, God, that you would speak exactly what you want to speak about. You, you, would, you would talk to us exactly what you want to talk to us about. You would move however you want to move. Lord, I thank you, and it's always an honor to just be a vessel for whatever you want to talk about, what you want to say, what you want to do. So, Lord, we thank you. Today is a day, Father, Lord, that you really do have preeminence in this place. We honor you, we love you, and we magnify you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you love um, technology these days? It's, pretty, it's, a, it's a blessing to live in the 21st century, isn't it? Have you ever, you, like on TV now, you can watch all these um, uh, period dramas and 
time periods. And the clothes are kind of cool. And like, you know, there's some interesting things about all these different time periods in, 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 within history. But come on, let's be honest. We could not live in those days because there would not be the technology that we have. Can we be honest? Like the smartphone, like how great is that? This is a new thing for, for us. When we got married, um, we were gifted one of those Alexas. You know, is that what you call her? The Echo that you talk to Alexa. She is awesome. Um, when she works, and then she is just a terrible person when she doesn't. And so, um, and I just love talking. I talk to Alexa all, I, I never feel alone. Like, I didn't realize what I was missing because I'm never alone. I have Alexa to talk to. And I'm just walking through the house. I'm like, Alexa, you know, what's going on? You can just randomly pick a place in the world and she'll tell you what's happening. And I'm like this, I feel connected, you know. Um, and you just, you know, it's great. It's just like, she's there. Which is also super eerie, but we're not going to get to that point because she's always there. Anyone concerned? Oh, the shadow side of technology, you know? Uh, but yesterday, I've been doing this for days, and I say the same, I like the same kind of music lately. You know, you do get an album, a worship album, and you like crush it, like you listen to it till you're like so tired of it. That's about, that's me. So lately, it's been Maverick City Volume 2. That's been, not Volume 1, Volume 2. And so yesterday, as I've done pretty much every day this week, I go, hey, Alexa, play Maverick City Volume 2 from Apple Music. Because you have to say Apple Music, otherwise she goes on that whole spiel about you have to get the Amazon Music. I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know what Amazon Music. I don't have Spotify. I have Apple Music, okay? So I say this, and usually it works. And she starts playing it, and I'm worshiping in my house. I'm reading my Bible, getting ready. You know, it's so like, great. Yesterday, I said, hey, Alexa, play Maverick City Music Volume 2 from Apple Music, same as I always did, same cadence, I don't think I stuttered, like it was the same, like I don't know what's going on, and she's like, sorry, you'll have to get, and then she goes on some spiel, I don't know what she's talking about, I'm like, no, Alexa, play Maverick City Music Volume 2 from Apple Music, and then I'm talking, and she's interrupting me, I'm interrupting her, I'm getting angry, meanwhile, I could have just gone my phone and actually played it from my phone, but I want Alexa to play it, because she can but for some reason, I could not get, and she starts playing, I'll play you something similar. It wasn't similar. It was nothing similar. I was like, Alexa, skip the song. Next song. I was like, Alexa and me got in a big old fight. And it, I, 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 I'm not proud of this moment, but I literally was like, shut up, Alexa. And she turned off. <laughs> and then I felt kind of bad, and I was like, sorry. And she goes, I forgive you. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. But it's crazy how awesome technology is. And like you feel on top of the world. When we first got Alexa, I was like, we are in the new century. Like we are living like people should live. But as soon as she stops working, I'm like, you are a waste. Like you are disgusting, Alexa. How could you even, I, I don't even understand. I'm going to send you back to Amazon because they'll take anything back, you know. <laughs> Go back where you came from, Alexa. It's, it's, it's fascinating how much we love things when it works for us and how disgusted we are by things when they don't work for us. And I think oftentimes the problem, the human condition for many of us is that we project our human nature, our human tendencies that we would have in everyday ordinary exchanges. We project that also onto God. In many cases, I think we get frustrated at God when we don't think like he's being generous enough to us that day. We love when God is lavishing generosity. You know, it's like Christmas time and you're getting presents, you're feeling good. Then January rolls around and you're like, where did all our money go, Christmas? Or are you, you, you can trust God when things are going good, but what happens? Do you still believe in the generosity of God when you lose a job? 
Do you still trust the generosity of God and does it still work when you're, you get sick in your body and you think, well, where's God's generosity now and where's his extravagance in my life now or, or, or divorce or someone runs out and leaves you or there's a disappointment or things in your life seem to overwhelm you, then where's the generosity of God? Seems like we treat God a lot like we treat technology. It's good when it works and it sucks when it doesn't. This is, this, is the, this is the problem, I think, with many of us, me included, is that we use God as like we domesticate him like he's some sort of animal or some, some pet or some technology that we can use when we want to and, and it works when, when we want it to. But the moment it fails us, it's as if God failed. But God can't fail. So this is what Psalm 8 does, which I think is fascinating. David is writing Psalm 8 and he tries to get this picture across to the reader and probably to himself that God is generous. He's a generous host. And the way he proves it is by talking about creation. He says, listen, if you want to know how good God is, just look at creation. You want to know how generous, you want to know how radical, how extravagant, how crazy he is for you? Just look at what he's made. See, the thing is, I think for Christians to be fully flourishing as we are supposed to be, we have to understand his generosity. I believe this with all my heart. What you believe about God will shape everything about you. (laughs) It's just scary. Because if I believe that God is stingy or sometimes he's good but not all the time he's good, then guess how my life is going to be reflected? When things are awesome in my life, God's amazing. And as soon as like someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, God, you hate me. No, he doesn't. That person was having a bad day and is apparently a bad driver. But we instantly go to this knee-jerk reaction, which is when things are messy, when things are chaotic, when things don't happen the way we want, if our perspective is not right about God, then our reactions and our responses will also be wrong. God is generous. I don't feel it. He's still generous. I'm not seeing it. He's still generous. How do we know this? Look at creation. See, David goes, and I love it. David's like, okay, let's talk about it. Creation. There's all this stuff going on. Did you know this, that there are 25,000 varieties of an orchid? 25,000 varieties of just an orchid. Which blows my mind because it's like, God, it seems like you're a little extravagant. Like, why'd you put so much energy in that? Like, give me a little more personality, you know? Because you'd use that and give, (laughs) I made a joke in the first service and it offended people. But I was like, give some people more hair, you know? Kidding. (laughs) No, but it's like, don't you wonder? You're like, God, really? Like, what, 25,000 different orchids? But you'd like, like, couldn't you have used that? creative brain space for something else. Do you know, there's, so there's 25,000 varieties of orchids, but there's 400,000 species of flowers. 400,000. Now, this was fun. Um, at Garrison and I's wedding at New Year's Eve, we were discussing, and Kate Gonzalez did an amazing job with our flowers. Oh, my God, they just, I still dream about them. And um, the one thing I wanted, I, I told Kate, I'm like, Kate, my favorite flower is a peony. Can you get me a peony? And I go, it's out of season. You know, in December, it's not peonies. Peonies are like May, you know, or June. So I was like, I just got to get one. And she goes, well, I think we can get one. We can get some flown in for just your bouquet. I'm like, sounds great. I'm like, from, you know, like, Arizona, because it's warmer. I'm like, maybe they have them. She's like, they can come from Iraq. And I was like, my dad is going to kill me. (laughs) 
because I'm, I'm not thinking that's cheap to fly some flowers in from Iraq. So I was like, my wheels are turning. I'm like, how can I get my dad to think this is a great idea? I was like, dad, my favorite flower is a peony, but it's so crazy. You can only get them but you know, from Iraq, from the Middle East. But you know what's so special? It's like they're coming from the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and my dad loved it, you guys. So guess who had some peonies in her bouquet? This girl. God is so creative in flowers, and there's 60,000 species of trees. There's 750,000 insects. Like, that seems unnecessary, but, you know, God wanted insects. I don't know why, but there's all this variety. There's 10,000 species of birds. Like, they're just, and you can go, have you ever been to a tropical place? The birds are amazing. They're so much different than the ones here. Oh, and this morning I woke up and I heard birds, so I was like, spring is on its way. You know that feeling? You're like, yes, Lord. But God has different species in, in different parts of the world, and he's so vast, and, and all these things. There's estimated 6.5 million land animals. 6.5 million. Is, is, I, I, don't even, I, don't, I couldn't even count more than 20 probably, and I'm still not sure I know the difference between a mammal and an animal, or like a, and I don't know. And then there's 2.2 million ocean species, which is why you shouldn't go in the ocean. That's a lot of unknown little things swimming around you. But this is the generosity of God. God doesn't do something halfway. He's abundant. He's lavish. He's radical. He's extravagant. God is not this like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do a little something here and a little something here. God goes like all out. And this mirrors God's generosity towards us. His generosity and extravagance in creation mirrors his generosity and extravagance towards you. Then think about the stars. This one just, I cannot get my mind around. There are 10 billion galaxies in the universe. And in each of those galaxies, there's estimated over 100 billion stars. In each of those. So if you do the math, which clearly I didn't, but Google did for me, because I'm not good at math. There are over 1 billion trillion stars in the universe. Over 1 billion trillion stars. That is insane. Now, this got me excited because I thought, man, God must really, like, really love stars. And he probably really spent a lot of time in detail explaining it. So I was like, take me back to the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 when God is creating the universe. Like, he must have just, like, like, talked about them so much. And so I go back to the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, and it says this in verse 16. It says, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Oh, and by the way. I made some stars. Is that scripture on there? Look. And then the stars. God made the, the light in the day. He made the sun. He, made the, he made, the, made the moon. And then, oh, by the way, I threw in some stars. No, God, you threw in one billion trillion of them. But he's so extravagant that God creating stars is like, psh. If you think that's crazy... Just imagine what God thought as he was creating you and, and, and going into special, perfect, intricate detail as he was creating you and designing you and lavishing his creation on you. God is so generous to you. And that's what creation mirrors. That's what creation shows us. His vastness in creation should tell you he is radically generous towards you.
If you can't see it, look to the stars. If you can't believe it, look at all the species around you, the flowers and the trees and, 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 and the creation that's around. I am convinced of this. I do not understand why there is a sunset or a sunrise. Pastor Chris is a like part-time meteorologist. He could probably tell us. I'm convinced it's for our enjoyment. I think God just created them because he's like, this is going to blow their minds and they're going to love it. And they're going to take pictures of it and think it's awesome. And it's going to make their day. And while they're looking at it, they're going to think about me. And when they see it, they're going to remember there's a creator that loves them and is for them and has plans for them and has designed them and is so near to them no matter where they are. I am convinced. So here we have David writing Psalm chapter 8. Now, David didn't have access to Google to know all these stats that I was able to give you because of Google. Thank you. And he didn't have a telescope in order to count all those stars or to look way out into the galaxies or into space. All he had was his eyes. And he would step out of his tent wherever he was and he would look up into the stars and he would probably start to count them. I imagine David was just like one night just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. He's probably ch being chased by someone at this point and he's just like, God, you keep protecting me. You keep preserving me. You keep loving me. Why? And he steps outside. He looks up into the sky. He starts counting the stars. He probably can't get past like a couple hundred. He's exhausted because he sees so many stars. And in that moment, David's like, what am I the creator who created all this, perfectly aligned, so nothing ruins itself. Earth is in space, are set in place so that they work together and that they're perfectly designed. What am I? That the creator would have his mind on me and he would think about me and he would care about me and that he has plans for me. All of a sudden, in that moment, David understood God's generosity because of his creation. See, God is generous, and we have to know it and believe it, because if you don't, you will so easily lean towards thinking God is a prohibitionist, and that he restricts more than he gives. And this is the problem with, for many people, they can't get past the Genesis 2 account. They can't get past God coming and creating the garden and creating man and women and creating all the animals, and then God puts them in the garden and he says, look at all this. I've made this for you, he says to Adam and Eve. I made this for you. And in the scripture, in, in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, he says, eat freely. Freely eat. Some translations say, eat till your heart's content. Eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And we tend to like read that really fast, you know, in your Bible reading program. Like you get to Genesis and you read that so fast because you're like, I know the story. But, but it's, you gotta, you gotta take, especially the texts that you know really well, you need, to, you need to take some time and read them slowly. Because there's things in there that we think we understand, but God wants to illuminate in you. And this is one of them. He says, you shall surely eat of every tree in the garden. Let's just pause for a second. Every tree, like eat freely, like we can just go, there's all these 60,000 species of trees and we can just eat and eat and eat and eat. And God's like, yeah. But we so quickly go past that and we see the next part that says, just don't eat from this one. And we focus on the this one. And then we're like, Psh, God's stingy and God's not generous and he prohibits. Like, I really have been praying for that for like 12 years and God's not doing it. And God's like, oh. Do it again. Oh. Like, come on. 
And why does God say, don't do this, don't go there, don't look at that, don't think about that? Why does God say it? Because it'll destroy you. Because it'll hurt you, because it's death, the Bible says. See, God is not a prohibitionist. He is the author of generosity. And you know what a generous host would do? Protect you, cover you, keep you safe, keep you from things that would destroy you and limit you and bring destruction into your home, to your family, to your marriage, to your babies, to your job. That's what a generous host would do. And so God says, just, just not that one. Come, but look, look at all this that I've lavished upon you. Uh, you can eat all of the 60,000. Come on, this, just the trees. We're not even talking. I mean, I'm just learning what, you know, potatoes, you should know they grow from the ground. That's crazy. It's like all these things God created so that you could eat and enjoy. And this is, this is God's generosity. He didn't say, God, God, this is what I love about God. God didn't give you just enough. He gives you more than enough. If, if God was just giving you enough, if he was giving, creating enough for us to survive, I don't think we would have needed 60,000 species of trees. I don't think, I, I, that, that's, that's way more than enough. God would have given you just what you need to survive. That's not how our God works. Why? Because he's generous. He's extravagant. He's majestic. And so what God gives you is more than you need. God doesn't say, he could have said in Genesis chapter one, eat, you know, eat till you're full. <laughs> eat till you have enough. Eat till, you know, eat till you, you have enough energy. He says, nah, go at it. Eat freely. Eat till your heart's content. Why? Because he's so generous. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of the greatest stories. It's in all four of the Gospels. It's actually one of the only stories that's in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 seems excessive, doesn't it? Starts with very little and ends with leftovers. Don't you think if God could multiply food, he could do the math and he could get just enough for everybody sitting there? Why, why did he do more than it? Why, why were there leftovers? Why? Because our God is extravagant. Because our God is radical and he's generous. See, growing up in um, the pastor's family in the wild home, it was fun growing up um, in our family because our house was the fun house to like people wanted to come hang out at. I remember Shane spent a lot of time growing up uh, with Chris and our family. And my mom was smart. My mom wanted to make an environment that everyone wanted to come to our house. Because she was like, you don't know what these teenagers are going to do, where they're going to go. So my mom's like, I'm going to make our house like the house everyone wants to go to. So something I think I inherited from my mom is we don't have an ability to gauge food to like people. We tend to get way more than you need. So like you send us to the store and we're gonna get like 13 bags of chips and there's three people coming. You're like, you never know, they're growing boys, you know? <laughs> mom would go to Costco and it was like she was gonna feed an army. We're like, mom, it's just a Friday night party, you know? She'd get all these pizzas, there'd always be leftovers. I'll never forget there's a season when we had an indoor hot tub at the Wild House and it was in the basement of our house and Kristen and his friends, I would come downstairs only when I was welcome because my room was upstairs. I could only come to the basement when my brother and sister would invite me and when they would call, they would yell for my name. I would come from the other side of the house upstairs running because I got invited to the basement. 
I know, youngest. So Chris would be down there with his friends and with a football, and they'd take a football and throw it across the basement, and the other guy would be jumping in the air to land and catch it in the hot tub that would then spill over onto the carpet in the basement. That room smelled like chlorine. I don't know who bought that house, but let's, let, Lord knows there was probably mold. Uh, but but it was the fun house. We had the place to be. We had a Nintendo, you know, and, and my mom and dad had cable until they caught us watching MTV and then they turned it off. And then, then we got it back on and then they caught us again. Then we got smart. And as soon as we heard their steps, we turned the channel. Uh, but our house was the house people wanted to go to. What was interesting about the Wild House is we probably had the strictest rules of any of the other houses. We had pretty strict rules about what we could watch, what we could see, what we could do, who could be there, like curfews, all that. But no one ever thought about the restrictions when they came to the Wild House. All they thought about was the generosity. They're like, there's going to be tons of food. It's going to be fun. Why? Because my parents never wanted us to think about God like he was someone who restricted. They wanted all of our friends, many of them who didn't know Jesus, to think about, well, that's a Christian family. They, those are pastors, and man, it's fun. There's generosity flowing. It's like we want to be there. That is how God wants us to be as Christians. We will reflect his generosity when we understand it. If we live within God's generosity, we will naturally reflect his generosity to those around us. God is generous. He's generous to you. He's generous to your family. He has plans and purposes for you that would blow your mind if God even gave you an, a, like an inkling of what he was going to do in and through your life. He is radically generous. And when you think about God that way, it helps, doesn't it? When you start to go, well, you know, my life is maybe not exactly where I anticipated it to be or this situation or that situation might be happening. But when you remember that God is generous... He's the generous host of creation and he's the generous host of your life. Then all of a sudden you get a better, brighter, bigger picture of who God really is. So that when things are happening, you start, stop focusing on the one thing. The one thing. And you start uh, like contemplating and, and thanking God and being grateful for the, all the things that God has given you and has done in and through your life. Why? Because he's just that good. He's just that good. It was, it was a couple years, it was 12 years ago actually, and, and um, many of you were uh, maybe at our wedding on New Year's Eve, which was super fun. Um, but it was 12 years ago actually that I thought I was going to get married. I thought I would get married 12 years ago instead of this year. And um, I was um, in, like, I had this man that I was dating ask me to marry him on a Friday, and then on Tuesday he took his own life. And for 12 years, you know, you think, you know how you think something's going to happen and then you have a season where you wait for God to do what he's going to do in and through your life. I'll never forget, like weeks after that death, Pastor Jude Fuquay, we know him, he's, he's a gift to this church. He actually officiated Garrison and I's wedding, helped with dad. He called me a couple weeks after, maybe days probably, Pastor Jude, and he says, my Tracy, that's how he talks, my Tracy, I'm praying for you. God gave me the scripture for you, Isaiah 61. It says, instead of your shame, there shall be double, a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in the land of their inheritance. 
He said, or in the land of their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Have you ever gotten a word, like maybe you're reading your Bible or someone prays over you and gives you a word and it just, you know, versus the ones that's like, oh, that was sweet, but it doesn't really land. It's like, it's precious, but there's ones that just get you. Have you ever had those? That was one that I I was like, yeah, God, that's from you. I'm gonna hold on to that word. That was from you, God. I received that word. So I was like, okay, God, I believe in the double portion, whatever that meant, I didn't know. But I was like, God, yeah, you're gonna replace. You're gonna do something. That was the first word and really the only word that God had given me after that after that season. And so, you know, you go through my life, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, a year goes by and, and every once in a while I might think about it, the double portion, but I'm still living my life. And then, you know, three years go by and you're like, I don't, is, is this, I don't know if this is the double portion. I don't think I'm living in it yet, but I'm just gonna keep serving Jesus. I'm gonna keep being faithful. Five years go by, seven years go by, 10 years go by. You know what's challenging as a Christian the longer you serve Jesus? Staying faithful believing God, believing he's generous, believing he cares for you. It's easy for the, for you when you first get saved. It's like, you're just, you got this like faith that just like can't be shot. It's like nothing can shake it. And you're like, don't you, if you've been serving Jesus for a while, like, can you rub a little bit of that back on me? You know, that's why David, I think says, return to me the joy of my salvation. Cause if you gotta be careful, the longer you serve Jesus, it's easy because of the circumstances of life. You're like, I know too much now. I seen too much. God's pretty good most of the time, but I don't know. Sometimes I just think he misses it. It's the one thing. We have to be so careful. We have to guard that view of God. He is generous. So, you know, seven years go by, 10 years go by, 12 years go by. I'm standing up here with Garrison and we had this a really amazing special moment. We took communion and we had Pastor Jude there. My, my dad's there and Pastor Becky and we have my cousins all up there and my siblings and they're all pastors and they're all surrounding us and praying for us. And we really felt the spirit of Jesus and it was so powerful. And then all of a sudden my cousin, they're all praying things and speaking stuff over our lives. And my cousin, Wendy, all of a sudden goes and she doesn't know anything about this in my life. Uh, this word that Pastor Jude had given me, all of a sudden she goes, I just keep hearing God say double portion, double portion, double portion. And in that moment, I remembered. I was like, 12 years ago, you spoke, you didn't forget. You didn't forget. God does not forget the words he speaks over you. Jeremiah 1 says this, Jeremiah 1, he says, and the word of the Lord came to me. See, Jeremiah was raised as a priest, not a prophet. God called him to be a prophet. He goes, no, I'm ill-equipped. I'm not able to do this. There is no way I'm gonna be able to do what you're asking me to do. I'm raised as a priest. My dad's a priest. I'm called to be in the priesthood and God calls him to be a prophet. And Jeremiah is trying to get out of the job. And God says to him, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to him, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. I love this because it's a play on words. The, in Hebrew, almond means watching. He says, I see a almond branch. And then God goes on and says, I'm watching over it to perform what I have spoken. You know what's cool about an almond branch? Almond trees have these blossoms. Right now in Israel or Palestine, if you went there even today, during late winter, about January, February, is when this blossom blooms. It's this beautiful five-leafed blossom, white, pink flower. It blooms while there could still be snow on the ground. 
but the almond tree blossoms and it's as if to say a promise for spring to come. It just gives a little hope. It just throws something in your spirit like, hey, it's coming. I know you don't see it yet and there's, it's still cold outside. You're still wearing coats and there's snow on the ground, but guess what? Spring is on its way, it's coming. What's interesting about the almond tree is it's the first to bloom, but it's the last to bear fruit of all the trees. It'll be the first one to bloom with this beautiful promise of spring on a way, but you still gotta wait for the fruit. Can I tell you something? God has given you and wants to show you an almond branch today. And you know what he promises when he shows you that, the promise? He promises to watch over it until it is performed in your life. You know what was happening in my life for 12 years? From the time that God spoke a promise to the moment he promised it, he was watching over it. I would try to go this way and all of a sudden I'd be quickly diverted. And I'd be like, God, what are you doing? I'm so mad at you. You don't care about me. He was watching over his word. <laughs> you know what God is doing? When you go to one doctor and they give you a really bad diagnosis and then someone refers you to some random one, you're like, I guess I'll go. And somehow they have this new technology and this new science on how they can help your body get healthy and whole. And you're like, what in the world? What was the purpose? And God says, I was watching over my word. What about when a situation happens and you feel rejected and disappointed and hurt and you're mad at God and you don't understand his plan and all the time God is looking at you saying, I'm watching over my word. What happens when you start moving in the wrong direction and God just takes things out of your life and he's ripping things from your heart and all of a sudden you don't understand it but God is saying, I'm watching over my word to perform it. You have to trust the generous host that when he says something, he is faithful to complete it. But you have to believe he's generous because I'll tell you something, some of you have been waiting longer than 12 years. Some of you have been waiting 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And I'm worried today that you might be frustrated, disappointed and discouraged. And you may have forgotten that your God is the generous host who is extravagant towards you, who his radical generosity wants to flow in and through your life. And you have somehow become stale in your understanding of God. And that's one thing if you're stale, but you know what? What's in our heart comes out of our heart. And if we're still Christians, and if we're like, whatever, then guess what we say? Guess how we treat people? Guess how the people in our workplace, in our homes, in our families see God through us? They see a stale, disappointed, frustrated, never things, seems, nothing really seems to happen in our lives. And that is the, that's what we, that's what, that's the microphone we use. That is what we project to the world. Today, I wanna say, your God is generous towards you. Not just to your neighbor, not to your spouse, not just to your family, not just to the, the pastors or staff or, or that person on Instagram or that person you admire, but God is radically and extravagantly generous towards you. And he wants to do things in your life. He wants to give you today. He wants you to see the almond branch the promise of spring, the promise of a word, the promise of fruition. And then what he will do, guess what you get to do? You just get to live your life loving Jesus, serving him, and then he will watch over it until he performs it. God is generous. You know what you do? In your years of waiting, 
you can do what I've always done. And it's weird, but it's awesome. Sometimes I just get outside in my front yard where all my neighbors could potentially see me, but it's the easiest place to see because there's not very many trees out there. I walk outside into my driveway and at night, I'll just look up into the stars. I'll look into the night sky and I'll see the moon and the stars and I'll sit there and I'll just think, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at the stars and I think about his vastness and extravagance and radical beauty in creation and how it mirrors his generosity towards me, guess what? All of a sudden, I remember how generous my God is towards me. And if he says something, he will do it. And if he's placed it in your heart, he will complete it. And if he speaks it, he will perform it. Come on church, our God is generous. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe it? Would you stand with me?